welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master. Listening each week will help you make that move. I also provide online training for individuals and groups and also in-person workshops for groups. My flagship course is the Idea Framework, and it covers the full breadth of product mastery, ideation, develop, evolve, and accelerate. Check it out along with my other training at theeverydayinnovator.com and just click on the training link at the top of the page. Many medium to large organizations are adopting agile practices, such as the use of Scrum. Some are having more success with that adoption than others, Most of these organizations are also using some form of StageGate for the development of new products. When done right, StageGate reduces risk, reduces time to market, and increases the return on innovation investment. And how many are using it? Well, it's over 80% of U.S. companies, so this is certainly a dominant framework for new product development, StageGate. And the idea of replacing it with Agile is not really acceptable, but instead, Hybrid, agile StageGate processes is a more reasonable place to start for these organizations. My guest, Colin Palumbo, has been helping organizations who are using StageGate make that move to a hybrid, agile StageGate process, and they're enjoying many benefits once they make that happen. They're keeping that framework that they're familiar with and then adding agile to it. It's a win-win. Colin is a managing partner and co-founder of two innovation consulting firms, Innovation Framework Technologies, and BizMotion. I met him at the annual PDMA conference and enjoyed his insights for making StageGate more agile. I hope you do as well. You'll find a summary of our discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 177. Now enjoy the interview. Colin, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Chad, thank you for inviting me. So I had the pleasure of seeing you discuss creating a hybrid agile stage gate process at the PDMA conference in Chicago back in November, and thought that would be a great topic for us to follow up on. Why don't we start by just describing the components of this? What What is agile or agile, depending where you're from, how you pronounce that, and, and stage gate? Can you just give us a kind of a definition of the two big pieces here? Sure. So let's start with stage gate. Uh, so StageGate is a, it's now um, getting on for 35, 40-year-old approach mm-hmm. for new product development, for primarily for physical products, although it has been extended to services as well. As well. And now that's been adopted by uh, about 80% of North American new product development organizations, founded by Scott uh, Edgett and Bob Cooper of the Product Development Institute. And that's now broadly used cross-industry from food and beverage, consumer goods, through to heavy engineering. When done well, uh, a traditional stage gate process reduces time to market, increases product success rates, and boosts innovation investment. Uh That consists of breaking products down into individual stages, separated by gates, which are formal funding and decision points, to make sure that unviable products are killed quickly um, so that you can concentrate your resources on the most successful projects. So that's well established in the industry. What's changed uh, in the last few years is this introduction of Agile. Now, some background there. Agile is really a project management methodology, not a full life cycle 
product development methodology like Stagegate. And Agile really came out of some work done in 2001 in the software industry, uh-huh. and really to help deal with software projects that were very complicated, had lots of changing requirements, and really was an alternate approach to a traditional waterfall methodology. So Agile in the software world has been very successful with projects that deal with high degrees of uncertainty, uh, rather than uh, productionizing type software where everything is completely known, like building a house, for example. Uh-huh. You just go through a traditional Gantt chart, waterfall, critical path schedule to get the work done. So two different things. Stagegate is very much a full product development lifecycle that can can be managed using either a waterfall or an agile project management technique. And agile is very much a project management methodology uh, first originating out of the software world, but now being applied and adopted to physical products as well. And these sound like two rather different things, right? The st- stage gate, I think of as kind of the, the funnel that we start with projects at the top. We're doing our scoping work in the beginning of, of the of stage gate, figuring out if this is the right project to do or not. And then we go to a gate and we decide if we move on or not. And not all projects might move on. Some drop out that we decide not to take action on. And then we you know, move into doing a business case, we move into development, we move through the stages. Very waterfall-like, I think most people think of it, and Agile is very not. And when it comes to putting these together, it sounds like the integration might be more of a challenge. Why are organizations approaching the, the hybrid approach? Why, why are they trying to do the integration? Yeah, that's, that's really what's changed in the last few years. Um, so... What we know is that traditional stage gate, as you described it, is typically managed like a waterfall process, stage one, stage two, stage three. And that worked well when you're dealing with markets that don't change very fast, with technologies that are not changing very fast. And when project teams, frankly, had the time just to, you know, step by step go along until they could launch a product. That's pretty much changed now. Markets are uh, changing much faster. The rate of change is increasing. And traditional stage gate, traditional waterfall really is just too slow, too cumbersome. And these are, these are Bob Cooper's words, the originator of stage gate. Mm-hmm. He said that traditional stage gate is slow, cumbersome, and out of date and unable to deal with today's fast-paced and changing competitive world. So what companies really are trying to get by applying agile is really four things. The very first is in a, in a world where you can't define every single requirement up front, how can you have projects that respond much better to customer needs? You can imagine if you're running a traditional old stage gate project, maybe it's a big project that takes three years. If you've defined requirements in the first three to six months, the market moves on. And so what you launch in two, two and a half years time after that could be completely out of date. Right. So an agile process now allows project teams to adapt during the project. So literally course correct as more information is found and responding much closer to what the market requires. And what that translates into is pure and simple. It leads to higher success rates for products. Second reason is time to market. Uh, It turns out that accelerating time to market obviously increases project value, generates revenues quicker, uh, gets a product out before competitors. And it's um, from the studies that are out there now, it looks like Agile StageGate can accelerate projects by up to about 20%. So applying Agile to StageGate can make 
time to market uh, reduced by about 20%. And then uh, a couple more qualitative metrics. One is that Agile just fits the work better, and that leads to higher team productivity and team morale. So the studies, there were some European studies done by Bob Cooper um, with some manufacturing companies actually in Denmark, and they found out that team morale actually improved and increased by following an agile methodology. Hmm. And the final one, which I think is really interesting, is you know in the old world, physical products were dumb. They were physical products. In the new world with Internet of Things and sensors and data analytics, products or solutions are now becoming hybrid uh, in many, many industries. So a combination of digital plus physical. Right. And what that means now with an agile stage-gated approach, it's much easier to integrate those two different work streams for a solution. So you've got your, your project team working on the physical work stream. Mm-hmm. You've got a project team working on the digital aspects. And by using an agile stage-gated approach, it's a common way, a common methodology for both of those teams to combine to launch these hybrid digital plus physical solutions. So those are four very clear advantages of having this hybrid approach of being able to respond more quickly to customer changes as the project is going on, decreasing our time to market, having just a better work environment, higher morale among the team, and this move to physical products now becoming more digital and the agile works better with that. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute. This episode of The Everyday Innovator is brought to you by Product Innovation Educators, your one place for online training to make the move from product manager to product master. When you enroll in one of our online courses, it's like having Chad McAllister as your personal coach. In each course, you get video lessons, added resources, and a private community for collaboration with other product managers and innovators. And, of course, you get direct access to Chad, who will answer your questions and get you heading in the right direction. Past students tell us the concepts, practices, and tools are valuable, but the real benefits they gain are being more confident, increasing their influence in their organization, and generating greater success for themselves and their company. There are four levels of training to become a product master. Find your level now. Get started by going to theeverydayinnovator.com forward slash master. You're one place to become a product master. Theeverydayinnovator.com forward slash master. Don't wait. Get started now. The meat of the discussion really here is how do we make this happen? What are the steps in setting up a hybrid process? And I know we might not be able to get through all the details, but if you can give us kind of the, the big picture steps, that would be really helpful. Where do we start in this? Yeah, that's that's actually the, the critical point. Um, in a management roundtable survey, they found that something like 80% of companies doing physical product development want to move or are considering, considering it agile as part of their process. Hmm. The stumbling block is they don't know how to do it. And we've now deployed Agile StageGate approaches with some lead customers in 2017. And based on that work and summarizing the work that Dr. Robert Cooper has put out around this, we've actually formulated 10 steps or 10 different actions that organizations can take to adopt StageGate, Agile StageGate um, from a traditional StageGate process. And those loosely can be divided into sort of organizational and strategic aspects around um, how organizations organize, how leadership must change, 
how teams are restructured, mm-hmm. and some of the and then some of the tactical aspects of actually using agile in a stagegate project. So let's let's dig in. Perhaps just let's go straight to some of the tactical things, just so that people can get a, a sort of visual or mental picture of this. So if you're familiar with a standard stagegate process, as, as you just described, you have you know in a, in a, in a five stage process, you have scoping, business case development validation and launch. With Agile, you still have those stages. Now, we would term them differently, and we'll we'll come on to that. But every stage, then, you describe a number of sprints. A sprint is a time box number of days. Typically, 10 days seems to be a good number. In the software world, they sometimes have weekly sprints. But uh, in the physical world, 10 days seems to be a a good point. So you can imagine the stage ones, you divide it up and say, we're going to take four sprints, which would translate to 40 days of, of effort or duration to complete stage one. We'll do stage two in five sprints, stage three in eight sprints, and stage four in a further six sprints. Hmm. So you're pretty much fixing your timeline. This is no longer a, a flexible Gantt chart that adjusts as every task is delayed. You lay down the number of sprints you intend to do for each stage of that process. So that's the first part. Um, and an agile stage gate, you tend to try and fix timeline and vary scope, as opposed to a traditional waterfall approach is when you fix scope and adjust timeline. Mm-hmm. Now, within each of those stages, the next thing you need to do with agile stage gate is one of the, the big criticisms of, of StageGate has always been the bureaucratic form-filling exercise of all the deliverables. And in a textbook StageGate, traditional StageGate process, you've got 67-plus deliverables containing something like 292 questions. And what project teams fall into as a form-filling exercise of writing lots of stuff about the project and missing the point about actually getting the work done and validated. There's too much time spent preparing for each of those gate meetings and all the deliverables and, and getting the questions ready instead of actually working on the stages where the work gets done. Absolutely. So uh, a key tenant of Agile is uh, work is demonstrated by actual outcomes rather than the quality of your PowerPoints or mm-hmm. the number of words you've written in a document. So with Agile stage gate, you take all of those 67 high, um deliverables, and you translate them into stories. And those stories then are units of work that you can allocate to those sprints and allocate to cross-functional team members to get done. Uh, Those units of work include the business activities, for example, around understanding customer requirements, competitive differentiation, company value, as well as the actual technical development work of what features and functionality do we need, how are we going to design it, and how are we going to build it? In a sense there, you're taking what is expected for the, the gate processes in stage gate, those 67 deliverables, 292 questions, and really using that as a framework for structuring the backlog for each of the sprints. Is that a, a fair way to think of it? That's exactly right. Okay. That, give, that yields a couple of benefits. Uh, first of all, you're not having teams spending all the time form filling. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you want teams to do is actually gather evidence through experiments or empirical data to actually justify really what does the customer want or really what is the competitive advantage. And so those become stories which becomes activities for the team to complete. You're no longer interested in filling out 
a thousand words or a beautiful PowerPoint presentation. You want data that actually justifies the position of uh, what that deliverable requires. What is the competitive advantage? What is the unique selling point? Mm-hmm. What is the product architecture? So we switch teams from thinking about filling out forms to the quality of the content and backing that up with activities like experiments to justify that. Mm-hmm. And it works across uh, all three layers of the types of deliverable or the types of work you do in StageGate, the, the, the technical development layer, the business layer of customers, competitors, and so on, and, and fulfillment, and then also the management layer of what are gates, uh, what do gatekeepers expect, how do project managers manage their project sprint by sprint. And that, we find, uh, provides a much more efficient and effective way to de-risk projects, which is ultimately what StageGate is about. Okay, so we have these tactical aspects, which the big picture here is we're taking the sprints that we do in Agile and basically fitting them to a StageGate stage process. And I was curious, can you just uh, go through, before you shared the number of sprints per stage, what were those again? You said four sprints for scoping? Yeah, so I'll just back that up with two comments. One is mm-hmm. uh, traditional StageGate products take too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend far, more, far too much time sort of gold-plating the perfect solution and launching it three years from now. Let's try and think about this concept of minimum viable product. It doesn't apply in every industry, but rather than coming out with this amazing product four years from now, which is probably now out of date, obsolete, compared to the competition, what can you launch in a year from now that can win in the market? Right. And then what will be the follow-on product that you launch a year after that? So it includes rethinking your product roadmap to more of a, an accelerated approach to launching products using this minimum viable product technique. Mm-hmm. So to your question, if you could take a launch in one year, how do you then split that? So if we're doing a sprint that's 10 days long, that gives me 26 sprints huh. being 52 weeks. Uh, you want to do a lot of experimentation up front. So rather than thinking of your five stages as scoping uh, business case, development, validation, and launch. Think of them more around uh, an incremental delivery of the product. So the first stage is no longer scoping, it's concept. What can we do as a concept within three sprints? And a concept could be hmm. a mock-up, it could be a website, it could be a trial cell, it could be a way of just demonstrating what the solution could be uh, very inexpensively uh-huh. in a way that you could show to customers and get good feedback in a way you could show to your manufacturing and fulfillment team to understand what are this, how you could possibly make this. So that would be concepting. Stage two, rather than business case, think about simulation. So simulation is, is just putting more meat on the bone around your concepts using simulation techniques. That could be 3D printing to actually physically mock up the solution. Hmm. It could be computer-aided design. So without actually physically producing the product, what additional investment can we make to de-risk this concept through use of simulations? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a conference where Astro Teller, the CEO of, of Google X, um, was speaking, and he was adamant about this. He said, you better have a good way of simulating your products and services without investing yet physically in, in producing prototypes and pilots. So that's the second stage. And again, you're increasing your investment. 
you're getting better data. Right. Uh, so imagine you could put dedicate three three sprints to that concept stage. That's uh, three or four sprints. So take 30, 40 days to do that. Uh, and again, with, with, we're talking more about sort of bolder innovation and less about just we're just doing another revision of the same products we have. Mm-hmm. Simulations. If you can do a great job of simulations, it's worth investing there because you can come up with a great computer-aided design, a great 3D mock-up, a great website trial cell uh, that gets you real high-quality data um, feedback from uh, customers, suppliers. So you may want to invest uh, five or six sprints in simulation. Third stage, which has been traditionally called pilot, uh, sorry, development, let's break that down now and call that pilot. And pilot really is when you start producing physical prototypes, physical alpha builds, which are uh, the product, but where you haven't quite um, frozen the features or the specifications. And then finally, a beta build, which is your, your best design, your best build, where you want to freeze specifications and design. So that's pilot. And that then gives you physical results. You can you know, dig into the product design. You can confirm all of your environmental health and safety, your intellectual property, as well as starting to understand your fulfillment approach and how you're going to distribute this through channels. Mm-hmm. And then your fourth stage, which historically was validate, you're still doing uh, field trials, but let's call that scale up. And many organizations use that anyway. And that really is taking your pilot release and scaling that to full production capacity and getting all of your sales channels ready for your official launch. And then the fifth stage is launch. So think of it as sort of incremental sub-releases from a concept to a simulation to a pilot to a scaled-up solution to final launch. And if we were spending, for, for this year time frame, you know, three sprints or so, three or four in concept, five and six in simulation, Pilot, where we're actually making the product real, getting ready for manufacturing, but not going full scale. Certainly dependent on the type of project, but where are we with that? Are we, this is around 10 sprints for a pilot? Exactly. So um, that 52 weeks, uh, 26 sprint, that gets you up to the launch gate prior to stage five. So right. the first four stages, um, you could look at an example ratio. And again, it, it, it will depend upon... A, your ability to simulate the design without physically building it, uh, and B, how much time it takes to truly scale up. But for example, you could spend four sprints on a concept, six sprints on the simulation, 10 sprints, as you said, on the pilot, which gives you six sprints or 30 days to do scale up. But that all depends on how you're actually manufacturing or producing this product. I think it's useful just to kind of have some of those time frames, maybe not the specific number of sprints, but the kind of the time frames and the relationships that we want to, in the beginning, have the concept information to know if this is a valuable idea to actually move forward with or not, the simulations to start working with the idea in a real way that we can present to possible customers, resellers, or, or supply chain that would be involved getting this out to people, and then moving forward with that. So where, where our time kind of goes. And getting ready for that, do you see companies like during concept, they're, they're bringing in traditional tools into this, right? Like using design thinking or things from Lean Startup, doing the experiments there to start getting the information that we need? Exactly. So um, what you're really doing is, is experimenting throughout this process. Your final experiment is field trials. 
And you could argue in traditional Stagegate, it really was just one big experiment, which right. was ending field trials. And just a point on that, you know, I've heard CEOs before, sure, that, well, we won't know if this works or not until we get into the market. Well, we could do some experiments before we actually start development to know if we have evidence that this will work or not. And this, this is fundamental, as you said, to, to Eric Reese's work with Lean Startup, with the whole ethos of Agile, um, and with everything that Astro Teller and Jeff Holden and Uber have talked about, is get good data, good quality data, early experiments. And you can run cheap, quick experiments in that contacting stage to test um, initial customer reaction, uh, initial uh, advantages against competitors. So experimentation runs throughout those four stages. The biggest experiment, the most costly experiment you do is the final one in field trials in stage four. But you can do cheap and quick experiments in, in stage one to get some very good information to direct which concept is probably going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and, and Dr. Cooper has always said this, upfront homework is essential mm. um, with Stagegate rather than just diving into product development. Another significant change here is often in traditional Stagegate, we have passing of work between the stages. We don't have an intact team, but that's typically a requirement of an agile approach is that we have an intact team and the same team doing this work together throughout the whole process. Is that the case in this hybrid approach? How, How does the team dynamics work or change? So you've hit on the big elephant in the room, if you like. One of the biggest obstacles for traditional product development organizations to adopt Agile is around the team. Hmm. And we see so often that the way people are allocated to teams in traditional product development is one person could be assigned to four or five different projects at the same time. Um, So they are being spread thin, multitask, if you like, across multiple projects. Uh And there's, there's some assumption here that by doing that, we're maximizing the utilization of our talent and we're going to be able to do more. And that's a fallacy uh, because the simple fact is you can't, as a team member, be at all productive if you're spreading yourself across multiple projects at the same time. So one of the key tenets of Agile is dedicated teams Uh so that learning is transferred from stage to stage and you've got real focus on delivering the product. Now, in the software world, that means 100%. You're 100% dedicated to a software development project. In the physical world, there sometimes are lead items or delays. So while 100% may be optimal, it's not always possible, but at least have your core team at least 50% dedicated to a major project that they're working on with maybe two other minor projects or two other uh, projects they're assisting on to fill up their time. And that's critical. If you can't do that, it's going to be very challenging to make Agile Stagegate work. Absolutely. And the team dynamics are different. And you, when we started talking about how to make this hybrid approach, you, there are two big buckets, the organizational and strategic kind of aspects, and then the tactical aspects. The organization and strategic are significant, and, and the team composition is part of that. And there's no doubt other things that we need to understand about helping an organization adopt this. It would be useful for people to have more resources, and I'll ask you for a moment how they can reach out to you and find out about that. As listeners love, and I love, a good innovation quote, I always ask a guest for one, what do you have for us, and and tell us why you chose that one. Yeah, so um, in keeping with this theme, I picked a quote from Jeff Bezos, who I think you could say has been the most successful innovator 
of our time, maybe with the exception of Elon Musk. Uh, he's become the world's richest man in 20, uh, 20 years. And he simply says, our success at Amazon is a function of how many experiments we can do per year, per month, per week, per day. And he backs that up. So his other business, apart from Amazon, when his spare time is Blue Origin, his space company. Uh-huh. And their motto is gradatim ferocita, which simply means step by step ferociously. Hmm. So it's this concept of uh, not incrementalism, but step by step and just being very aggressive. And the reason I picked that is because I think sometimes companies think they have to either take a huge bold bet and a big gamble that we have field trials at the end of this huge development life cycle. Right. Or we consign ourselves just to compete at the sort of the simple incremental world. And if you follow this aggressive step by step approach, which is embedded in the agile stage gate uh, method, then you can actually take on big, bold concepts and opportunities, but aggressively de-risk them using experiments and this sprint by sprint iterative approach. Mm -hmm. I think really. Just take an example of, of what's been accomplished by Jeff Bezos at Amazon and, and Blue Origin. Uh, it really does help companies take on bold, bold purposes um, and deliver bold innovation in a much more manageable uh, way to de-risk those products step by step. And ultimately, that's what's going to be the difference between projects surviving and, and thriving and helping us progress and companies that have limited ambition and live in the world of incremental and ultimately will be outcompeted. It's a great quote, well chosen for what we just talked about, you know, doing these experiments frequently, incremental experiments, taking step-by-step learning. It made me think back on my StageGate experience that earlier in my career, we were using a StageGate process and I was having trouble understanding from others in different industries, different companies, why they felt StageGate was heavy and bureaucratic and didn't work well for them. When it worked great for us. And then I, that's when I realized the big difference was we were using intact teams. It was the same group of people throughout everything. And we weren't using really fixed gates. We were doing lots of iterations and we would learn all the way through the process. And it sounds very similar to the sort of things that we just talked about in applying an agile kind of thinking about working to getting a new product out and launched to the market. Thanks for sharing the quote. Really love how that ties in. For people that do want to reach out to you, how can they contact you and learn more about the work that you're doing? Sure. So um, I can be reached uh, at my email, which is cp at innovation-framework.com, cp at innovation-framework.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Colin Palumbo. And if you reach out to me, I'd be happy to share those 10 points and uh, help in any way I can. Excellent. Colin, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks again for listening. Find the summary of the discussion with Colin at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 177. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.